I, <laughs> I always want to be better at my job. Margot Robbie broke into the film industry as a bombshell, arguably the bombshell of the 2010s era. The Marilyn Monroe, the Grace Kelly of the modern era, the blonde bombshell of our times, a Disney princess sprung to life. Yet Robbie has somehow managed the impossible, sidestepping the bombshell trap. Long plaguing Hollywood beauties from Marilyn Monroe to Megan Fox, the bombshell trap is essentially that actresses who get branded as bombshells enjoy a fast rise to extreme fame, but quickly find themselves pigeonholed and limited in their career options. I don't think there's anything wrong with being sexy, it's just the problem that that part was so loud that it muted out the rest of who I was. But while Robbie's looks launched her profile, You put the camera on Margot and it, it just turned sexy no matter what. That aspect of her hasn't overshadowed her ability to shape her future and creative identity. So how did she do it? Robbie's always managed to bring something extra to her early characters who fit the classic bombshell mold. But she became a master of her own destiny and widened the range of roles available to her by developing not just as an actor, but as a producer. In 2014, she co-founded Lucky Chap Entertainment, which would go on to produce 2017's I, Tonya, whose starring role, a counter to the glamorous bombshell type, earned Robbie an Oscar nomination. Robbie's also taken on numerous parts that own her looks, but deconstruct or complicate our expectations of bombshells. Now, Lucky Chap is behind the Greta Gerwig-directed Barbie, which star Robbie says will defy expectations and be the thing you didn't know you wanted. Robbie's success in breaking out of the bombshell trap closely mirrors a key shift in how female film professionals are being viewed since Me Too. Here's our take on how Margot Robbie escaped the bombshell trap, and how she's a signal and instigator of hopefully lasting progress in women obtaining the agency to dictate the shapes of their careers. Your characters want to be good at their job. I never really noticed that about the characters I play. That's probably coming a lot from me. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get notified about all our new videos. This video is brought to you guys by Mubi. We love Mubi so genuinely. It is a key part of our lives. Mubi is such an incredible platform. It has wonderful movies and interesting conversations around those movies. Mubi always picks something that's interesting, that's quality. I crave that curation today. You feel like you've actually taken in something substantial and then you think about it, you dream about it. It stays in your head. They have great taste. It's something for everybody. If you want to know about the world and culture and what's really fun and worth watching, check out Mubi. Right now, Mubi is offering our viewers 30 days free. Just click the link in the description below to start streaming now. Thank you, Mubi, for supporting The Take and for helping us bring these videos to you. We're packaged and sold as sex. The typical bombshell role emphasizes her beauty above all and views her at a distance through an audience surrogate's eyes rather than as the point of view character with a fleshed out inner life. Ever since her mainstream debut in Transformers, Megan Fox, the iconic signature bombshell of the aughts, has been a notorious victim of the bombshell trap, typecast in hot roles where her primary purpose is to just be sexy, as Fox famously said was director Michael Bay's acting advice to her. Robbie started off playing an archetypal blonde bombshell. Like an early Megan Fox character, at first a Margot Robbie character was typically noticed primarily for her sex appeal. After roles on Australian soap Neighbors and the retro stewardess drama Pan Am, both 
both of which certainly played on her beauty. It's quite a picture. Thank you. Uh, I have a bit of a... Over a million copies sold. Oh, I didn't pose for it. I was only leaving the building. Her breakout came as Jordan Belfort's second wife, Naomi, in Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. My wife, Naomi, the Duchess of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, a former model and Miller-like girl. Magnetic Naomi is Jordan's prize, the trophy that affirms what a rich and important man he is, described in Terrence Winter's screenplay as the hottest blonde ever. The role ties into a longer legacy of blonde bombshells in Scorsese's work, who are idealized, cinematic creations with undeniable charm and appeal, but mainly used as symbols of something the male character's striving for and can't quite possess. We see Naomi through Jordan's eyes as a tantalizing sex object. Mommy is just so sick and tired of wearing panties. But no touching. And when Jordan's successful life falls apart, Naomi, who's been hinted to be there for Jordan's money, quickly leaves. It's pretty easy to imagine why she's lost all respect for him by this point, but we don't get much of a window into her interiority in this decision process. Robbie's roles immediately following The Wolf of Wall Street likewise had one thing in common. They were hot. Again, like a classic Megan Fox character, an early Margot Robbie character always finds her looks commented on by the other characters in the story. So her beauty and how her character responds to being the beautiful one in part defines her. What are you here, like a 15? <laughs> yeah. The main emphasis on Robbie's character starring opposite Will Smith in Focus is her appearance. You're hitting that? I'm right here. And the marketing of 2016's Suicide Squad, again opposite Smith, leaned heavily on the sex appeal of Robbie's Harley Quinn. Still, even in all these explicitly sexy characters, Robbie's performances found ways to bring depth and charisma, going beyond the traditional, objectified purpose of the bombshell. As Lynn Hirschberg wrote for W Magazine in 2014, Naomi could have been a walking cliché, but Robbie gave Naomi sharp edges beneath the smooth, lacquered exterior. She was not only fantastic-looking, but also canny and self-protective. That was the last time. What do you mean, Naomi? I mean, that was the last time we ever have sex. Suicide Squad played up Harley Quinn's role and gave her a follow-up movie because she was so winning to the audience, projecting power, quirkiness, humor, and infectious confidence along with all that sex appeal. I should kill everyone and escape? Sorry. The voices. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not what they really said. And after The Wolf of Wall Street and Focus, Robbie consciously chose roles which contradicted the bombshell stereotype, like Jane Porter in The Legend of Tarzan. The entire movie, you got your clothes on and your co-star is oh semi-naked. Role reversal. <laughs> what? So nice. She's strategically combined big-budget mainstream movies that give her a global profile with more self-determined, smaller or independent projects that display her acting range and win critical praise. Most importantly, Robbie took control of her destiny through becoming a producer, taking ownership over making the projects she wanted to materialize, knowing others likely wouldn't offer her departures from the stereotypical bombshell role, which would really transform or complicate her image. By 2014, Robbie had developed enough industry clout to co-found her own production production company, Lucky Chap Entertainment, with her now-husband Tom Ackerley, as well as friends Josie McNamara and Sophie Kerr. In 2017, just as the Me Too movement was shifting so much of our dialogue around female characters, Robbie's producing work also came to fruition with her against-type starring role as Olympic figure skater Tanya Harding in I, Tanya, a black comedy that draws out the class conflict and how the media of the 90s treated patrician Nancy Kerrigan versus scrappy working-class Tanya. I never apologize for growing up poor being a redneck. 
which is what I am. Taking on this role, as Anne Helen Peterson points out, meant that Robbie had to get ugly. While this appearance-based transformation was what the media focused on at first, Robbie's performance earned her Golden Globe and Oscar nominations, while her co-star, Allison Janney, won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. What's been the most rewarding project thus far in your career? I, Tonya. Why? Because I got to be a part of all the aspects of making that film. Robbie was lauded as an overnight sensation in the wake of The Wolf of Wall Street. That movie changed everything. Overnight, Margot became a wanted commodity. But in reality, that level of fame came after years of work and strategic planning. In the LA Times, Robbie refuted claims of her instant success, saying, I feel so fortunate that everything worked out according to plan, but it definitely was a plan. Robbie also recognized that after The Wolf of Wall Street, she needed to redefine her image to break away from a stereotypical bombshell archetype. You better come check this chick out. that girl if she was my sister. Robbie told The Hollywood Reporter, I knew I needed to adjust people's perception of me right then, because otherwise I was just going to be given this one kind of thing. After The Wolf of Wall Street, Robbie was almost worshipped by journalists and media coverage, but most of it gushed over how gorgeous she looked and her sexual magnetism in the film. Young, talented, genetically blessed. Margot Robbie has Hollywood at her feet. Her beauty was described as an otherworldly and almost destructive force. Photographer Bill Viola likened her to a siren, describing her as an alluring goddess who might delight or destroy. An LA Times review of the film said she was deployed as sexual napalm. In 2016, Robbie topped FHM's Sexiest Women in the World list, and Rich Cohen's bizarre Vanity Fair piece, Welcome to the Summer of Margot Robbie, wrote lines like, she is 26 and beautiful, not in that otherworldly catwalk way, but in a minor knockaround a blue mood, a slow dance. She can be sexy and composed, even while naked, but only in character. But the wider mood at that point was already changing, as evidenced by widespread backlash to the Vanity Fair piece, which actually surprised Robbie. I read it, I was like, yeah, the tone of this is really weird. Like, I don't really know what he's trying to get at or play at, but I didn't expect no. there to be like an uproar about it at all. And from there, public dialogue about Robbie noticeably transformed. It's telling that the very next year, in 2017, she was featured in Forbes 30 Under 30, named as one of Time's 100 most influential people in the world. In the wake of I, Tanya and Lucky Chap's success, articles focused more on her role as a producer. It's so rewarding, I'm sure you find as well, but it's also so hard, and I never really gave producers the credit that they probably deserve. Her magazine covers shifted from bikini pictures to close-up headshots. Robbie's Architectural Digest video, which usually tours celebrity homes, instead takes place at her office, Lucky Chap's headquarters. Our first movie had a lot of like neon elements, the first movie we, we made as a company, so we kind of based our logo off that. And in addition to being one of the highest paid actresses in 2019, that year The Hollywood Reporter named her as one of the 100 most powerful people in entertainment, including her again in 2021 as one of entertainment's 100 most influential women. When The Wolf of Wall Street director Scorsese wrote her profile in the Time 100 feature, he compared her not to past bombshells, but saw precedence for her in the comedic genius of Carol Lombard for her all-bets-off feistiness, Joan Crawford for her grounded hardscrabble toughness, Ida Lupino for her emotional daring. 
Part of how Robbie orchestrated this shift was due to the strategic way she performed her public persona. The actor has always played the good sport, unruffled and laughing along in many interviews where someone discusses her looks in front of her. It's incredible Thanks. that you've gotten as far as you have with your obvious physical disadvantages. <laughs> Seemingly computer-generated perfection of young womanhood. Wow. Not bad, huh? Well, they clearly haven't met me in person. But she's also always been smart in her public appearances about defying expectations of the blonde bombshell as sweet, coy, or deferential. You're so old, I, I had to Google the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I didn't know what it was. And she's regularly poked fun at herself and her looks, like in a parody video with Vogue of her American Psycho-esque beauty routine. I like to meditate while I work on my core, even though I was born with a six-pack. Scorsese wrote in Time that she has a unique audacity that surprises and challenges and just burns like a brand into every character she plays. She clinched her part in The Wolf of Wall Street during our first meeting by hauling off and giving Leonardo DiCaprio a thunderclap of a slap on the face, an improvisation that stunned us all. By projecting confidence, asserting her wit and humor, and giving off an unintimidated aura of equality with the much older established icons she's working with, Robbie rejects our typical assumptions about the bombshell as someone who's just embodying sex and will lose our interest if she diverges from a limited fantasy or doesn't act grateful enough to the people who gave her a career, something Megan Fox was accused of after she criticized Michael Bay. I've worked with people who have been difficult but have been male. And, and there's never a complaint made about them or there's never an issue made about them. And at every turn, Robbie's acting and producing choices since 2017 have all served to show the world that she's more than a bombshell or that the bombshell isn't the limited person people assumed. The class aspect of I, Tanya also underlined how Robbie has often brought down-to-earth characteristics to her characters, channeling something of her own humble roots on the Gold Coast of Australia. I had snakes, like, literally in my house growing up. As Anne Helen Peterson writes for BuzzFeed News, most people saw the real Robbie as overlapping with her characters, a working-class kid who used her beauty to help her make it big. In The Wolf of Wall Street and Focus, each Robbie character is acutely aware of her beauty as a resource to be used in a world where she's economically vulnerable. Oh no. No, Daddy doesn't even get to touch Mommy for a very, very, very long time. Since I, Tanya, Robbie has moved away from only playing traditionally beautiful roles in other examples like Mary, Queen of Scots, which is focused on her character's personal story rather than her sex appeal. God would have a woman be a wife and a mother. So you defy his will? No. I choose to be a man. But she's also taken a number of roles that embrace the bombshell image, yet treat it with complexity or include a level of dissection and critique. In 2019's Bombshell, Robbie's character Kayla begins as a classic ingenue who receives attention for her looks, but when she finds herself the target of sexual harassment, the result is a window into how the larger culture that existed under Roger Ailes at Fox News may have made an individual young woman feel. I did it. I gave in to him. I just didn't feel me. No, Kayla, you didn't do anything wrong. While Suicide Squad's Harley Quinn was clearly a super hot male fantasy, without a lot of character development beyond Harley's classic devotion to the Joker in Birds of Prey, which Robbie produced under Lucky Chap as part of a first look deal with Warner Brothers, we see Harley away from the Joker. Yeah, you know, Harley Quinn's nothing without a master. And no one gives two f who we are. Beyond that. Harley is paired with a team of other women. Isn't this fun? It's just like a sleep book. <gasps> we should order pizza. 
good cosmos. And many even notice the differences in Harley's costuming in the two films. In Suicide Squad, she's calculatingly presented to ooze sex appeal, whereas in Birds of Prey, her fashion feels more designed with a female audience in mind, and as if it's stemming from her character's own wacky mind. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Robbie resurrects the iconic sex symbol Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. I'm Sharon Tate. And while critics pointed out she has little dialogue and is used as a symbol, the character still has subversive elements. The plot is undoing Tate's horrific murder, presenting her as a normal, happy, healthy human, and removing the salacious elements of Tate's story that have long been exploited. Even in the big short, where Robbie appears for a sexy cameo in a bathtub, it's to explain the confusing, make-your-eyes-glaze-over topics of shorting and subprime loans, using her bombshell reputation for a good and funny cause. These risky mortgages are called subprime. Prime. So whenever you hear subprime, think shit. Most interesting is Robbie's taking on the role of Barbie, a project that promises to dig deeper into the iconic doll's impact, which is more complicated than we tend to remember today when you consider that before Barbie, the most popular toys marketed to girls were baby dolls, emphasizing only the paths of domesticity and motherhood. The bombshell doll has long shared Robbie's focus on career. Barbie was a wildly revolutionary toy. Barbie became things that real women hadn't become. As the Barbie website points out, Barbie has more than 200 careers on her resume. First broke the plastic ceiling in the 1960s when she went to the moon, four years before Neil Armstrong, was a surgeon in the 70s, a day-to-night CEO Barbie in the 80s, and in the 1990s, she ran for president before any female candidate ever made it onto the presidential ballot. So especially under Gerwig's direction, this promises to be Robbie's most complicated bombshell role yet. Robbie's trajectory has also reflected the larger climate, and she's skillfully tapped into a growing shift in Hollywood, which after the hashtag MeToo movement has made some steps toward prioritizing more complex female-centered and female-created stories. There's such a sense of community, um, which, is, which is really wonderful, and it's sad that that had to come out of a horrible situation, but um, that there is a support network there. The actor-to-producer path has traditionally been reserved for white male stars like George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and Jake Gyllenhaal, while some female stars of the 1990s and 2000s like Sandra Bullock, Julia Roberts, and Drew Barrymore did manage to create their own production companies, they were still largely limited to producing films that they starred in. And compared to recent actresses-turned-producers like Reese Witherspoon, Charlize Theron, or Viola Davis, Robbie is relatively young. It often took star actresses of earlier generations many painstaking years and bold choices before they earned their right to be taken seriously and got their pick of interesting roles, let alone got a seat at the table as creative producers. At the end of the day, a good story, a good cast, a good characters, universal despite gender. So I uh, couldn't understand why there weren't more. As well as signaling larger change, Robbie's lucky chap is making it through projects that aren't just limited to Robbie's own star vehicles. The company is also uplifting other female voices in front of and behind the Camera. Who's a voice in Hollywood that people should be listening to? Women. All of them. Lucky Chap has produced Emerald Fennell's award-winning Promising Young Woman, the popular Netflix series adaptation of Stephanie Land's Maid, and Hulu's Dollface, all projects that center female stories and dig deeper into female perspectives on modern society. I'm a nice guy. Are you? 
Lucky Chap is also producing Boston Strangler, starring Kira Knightley as the journalist who broke the story of the Boston Strangler and thereby confronted sexist attitudes of her time. And they're developing Yorgos Lanthimos' adaptation of Otessa Moshfag's My Year of Rest and Relaxation, and a reboot to the cult classic Tank Girl, as well as Gerwig's take on Barbie. Meanwhile, Robbie and Birds of Prey writer Christina Hodson partnered up to launch the Lucky Exports Pitch Program, which selected six female screenwriters to pitch their projects for eventual production. Today, others are increasingly using a similar model to get more daring and interesting material made. In 2017, Kaylee Cuoco founded Yes Norman Productions, which developed The Flight Attendant, starring Cuoco as a very messy bombshell character with fascinating complexity. What's wrong with messy? Above all, Robbie proves the priceless value of agency and how taking control into your own hands will get you many multiples further than waiting for someone else to offer you the right opportunity. As a younger actress during a period of intense change within the entertainment industry, Robbie has modeled how female actors can avoid being defined by their looks and how women in any field don't have to accept the supposed rules of what's available to them. And she supported her ideals by creating concrete opportunities for other up-and-coming film professionals. I had been thinking for quite some time how there was just a real gap in the market for a female ensemble action film. Notably, Robbie has managed to be taken seriously as both an actress and producer without toning down her looks. I can't remember the last time I washed my hair. It basically cleans itself now. By continuing to play all kinds of roles while winning as a producer, she's helping to break down the stereotype that women have to choose between being serious and smart or being sexy. Margot Robbie may look like a bombshell, but she's sending the message that she and all women are so much more than that. Get ready, ladies. This is The Take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Thanks for watching, and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again to Mubi for sponsoring today's video. As a special gift to our viewers, Mubi is offering 30 days free, so click the link in the description below to start streaming now. Right now, Mubi is streaming a double bill of female-led movies that capture the gritty streets of New York's past. The Safdie Brothers' Heaven Knows What is based on star Ariel Holmes' real experiences as a homeless addict, while revenge thriller Ms. 45 tracks a young woman's transition from shy garment worker into an angel of vengeance. If you're anything like me, these days you may be totally uninspired and stuck when it comes to figuring out what to watch next. Subscribing to Movie completely fixes that. Their team of curators handpicks every film they show, so there's always something new to discover. They seriously love movies as much as we do, so their recommendations are always top-notch. Click the link in the description below to start streaming now.